Hey, beauty pros, welcome to Beauty Business Breakthroughs. My name is Shara, your guide to success in the beauty industry. In each episode, I'm going to be sharing my tips, tricks, and real life experiences. Plus, we'll bring in industry experts to drop their game-changing advice. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, get ready for practical insights that will elevate your beauty business. Let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining us on Beauty Biz Breakthroughs. Today we have Robert joining us. And thank you so much again, Robert, for joining me today and just taking time out of your busy schedule, I'm sure, to share some of your tips and words of wisdom and all of that good stuff. Thanks, Shara. I appreciate it. Yeah. So introduce yourself. Let us know about you, what you do, all that good fancy stuff. Yeah. So for the last 20 years, I've worked in advertising. And for the last 10 years, I've been building my own advertising agency called uh, Real Media. And our goal is to really help businesses grow with the best data, targeting technology. And what that translates to in practice is the tactical components of making Meta or Facebook work, making Google work, uh, driving attention and getting people to spend money with you. Right. Absolutely. I know that's definitely the goal. I hear so often, you know, people say, oh, Facebook ads don't work or, and my response to that is you're not doing it right then. Exactly. Meta has the best 10 or 15 years of data on most of us. And oh, so- Absolutely. They have, uh, I'm actually in the process of working on some of my ads right now as we speak. So just to kind of go back. So you were, I'm assuming like working for an advertising agency or a company or something, uh, and then you transitioned into self-employment and providing services for your own clients. Essentially. Yeah. And for context, you know, we were buying the first takeover on MySpace for a movie oh. called <laughs> For a movie called not, Lords of Dogtown. Not to date us or anything, right? Yeah, legit. So the movie was Lords of Dogtown. Uh, we actually won a, an award for the movie When a Stranger Calls. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we're buying like mobile takeovers on ESPN when it was still like basically black and white or some sort of chrome color back in 2005, right. 2006. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen a really dramatic change in the way businesses run. And, and here we are. Awesome. That's great. So tell me more specifically about like the type of clientele that you would normally service and some of the strategies that you guys maybe advise or work with your your clients on. Yeah. So for a long time, our clients have been other agencies that want us to do media buying on their behalf. They'll do like the creative component. So let's take a back, let's take a step back on what advertising and media buying is just so we set the foundation here, right? So when you think about that, when you think about advertising, most people think about the visual, the creative, like the the designs, the color scheme, whether you're doing video or image, that type of stuff. So in the business of advertising, we typically characterize that type of work as creative work because you're creating or the language, et cetera. And those are creative people. Then you have the math people and the math people that's what we do. We're the math people. And the math people are really focused in on using data and algorithms to identify who best to see the ad and when they should see them. So when you see an ad on Facebook, for example, there's usually 
one separate group that does the design and a different group that says, okay, you're going to see this ad and you know, my mother's going to see an ad for Publishers Clearinghouse and astrology stuff. I'm going to see an ad for Adobe to use professional tools. And if you're interested in buying a purse or shoes, you're, this other person's going to see this other ad. So it's using the vast amounts of data in the marketplace to really get your ads to the right people. That's what paid media is. So specifically, paid media is about, and, and then subsequently media buying, is about paying a publisher of some sort or a television network or radio station to feature your message to reach your audience. And the science around that is, where should you go to reach your audience? Like there's a different type of person watching Fox News in the middle of the day than is on TikTok at night. Then, you know, remember a thing called newspapers, they're, they're still around <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're people of a certain age, et cetera. So a lot of our job is to use these tools to ensure that your message gets in front of the people, not for clicks. We don't care about clicks. I mean, we do a little bit, That's but right. Right, we don't right. like, it's not about likes, comments, shares, engagements. How many followers did you get? How many followers do you have? None of that pays the bills. What matter is, are people spending money with your business and Absolutely. that's what we focus on i never thought about it this way and something you had mentioned kind of just made me realize like you do have your creative piece and then you've got your copyright aspect which is the words that people are reading and then you've got your data and your analytics and your math people as you called it yeah you know and so i have always just assumed when you hire an agency or something along those lines it's just all one, right? Of course, that's not my area of expertise. So I never yeah. thought of it, you know, as far as breaking it down. So as a business owner, you know, trying to to navigate all three of those pieces when one, you're that's not your area of expertise. So you don't even know what you're looking at. When you're looking at the numbers and who am I supposed to be targeting? Like you said, when am I supposed to be targeting them? What's yeah. the best time of day? What's the right ad to put in front of them that's going to capture that eye, what is the right wording that is going to grab at their, you know, tug at their heart. And again, not we don't want likes, we don't want forwards and clicks and all of that. We really want them to ultimately go to the website, call us, book an appointment, you know, whatever it is like that. So there's a few things here. And this goes back to the heart of you can't even get to the business of growing your business if you, here's the thing, advertising, there's so many people that do advertising. Literally all you need, I'm not even exaggerating, we all know this, all you need is a computer, an internet connection, and a Facebook account, and you can run Facebook ads. That's it. You can take a course. Hey, I'm, I took a course in advertising, or I took, a, I took a, a more advanced course and I got a certificate. I'm not talking about AA degrees, that type of college. I'm talking about like online stuff that, Correct. you know, Correct. You, there's no like vetting. Udemy, Udemy yeah. took like a 9.99, you know, Google course. And I said, what in the heck is this? So here's the thing, right? Who do you trust? There are companies that combine all that. When we think about advertising, there's our biggest clients are spending about half a million dollars a month in advertising. Our smallest clients are spending $1,500 in advertising. Right. And the reason for that is we have basically two different orgs within Brill Media. We have the enterprise and we have the small business. And the small business has the ability to service local advertisers with the same methods and practices that work. 
The challenge for every local business is that your cousin will do marketing for you. Spectrum is going to reach out for marketing. Your aunt's cousin's kid, you know, what? everyone has marketing services because it's so accessible. So how do you determine what's good marketing, what's not good marketing? Number one, you need someone with a few battle scars. We age in dog years here. You know, I'm like 107. I've only worked in the business for 20 years, but like I'm 107 in the business because the business changes so rapidly. As much as you want to know, you want people to give you transparency into the work that they're doing. It works for us. It's important for our clients to understand what they're doing, what we're doing for them. It, it makes us, it creates value for our work if you know the, how, how hard we're working for you guys. And then urgency. Every minute not spent marketing and advertising your business is, is an opportunity cost. Right. You could be getting customers and you're not. Right. So it's boring. Like I'm not exciting. I don't have like cool tattoos or, or cool colored hair. Like I'm a businessman right. in an office. Right. But that's what you need. That's what you need. Right. Because right. It's, it's looking at data. Data is not exciting unless you're into right. data, but it's very exciting. Correct. 100% agree. You know, sometimes when I'm even looking at my own, some of those numbers, they just start to blend together. And, you, you know, there's so many acronyms and this, that, and the other. It really does take somebody who not only specializes in what they're looking at, but then really enjoys, you know, what they're doing because that's what feeds them. Right. And you'd never go to a random person and be like, hey, I fell on the ground and I my knee hurts. Help me. You'd go to a professional. You wouldn't go to a random person and be like, yeah, my car's not working. Fix it. No, you go to a mechanic. Mm -hmm. And no one expects, I think the thing about businesses, business owners in particular, no one expects you to be able to also do advertising because that's a completely different profession. Trust me, I 100% agree. I I know that, you know, and this is kind of like a side note, like advertising and marketing and graphics and design and copy and all of that is not my area of expertise. However, unfortunately, you know, when I have tried to find companies to come in and help or hire them, whatever, they haven't been able to match what I'm already doing, right, in terms of getting me that same return on my ad spend, right. you know, getting me that same stuff. So when I hire somebody, I'm looking for someone to take my business to the next level. Right. And so I do believe that I know that there are businesses that are out there that can help do, do that. Unfortunately, I haven't found that one. So hopefully maybe it's you. It's a partnership. Absolutely. And that's the that's the one thing that I, I see, you know, like you work with them, actually just hired a social media manager. And uh, my thinking is like, we're working together on this. This isn't a matter of like me saying, hey, this is what I want. Go do it. As a solopreneur for so long, I've had my hands in it. I'm hiring you because you're the expert. But we're really working collaboratively you know, on this goal to achieve like, hey, this is what's been working for me. This is what my ideas are and, and things of that nature. Now I need you to take your expertise, put your spin on it and really help me grow right to that next level. One thing that I saw that you had talked about in your profile and, and some of our exchanges was creating that SOP and what, for those of you who don't know, standard operating procedures. But for me, I, I refer to them as like your policies and procedures, right? For layman's terms. And 
I am a strong believer in that because that helps you to set the proper expectations for your employees, for your management, for your clients, so that everyone is on the same page in knowing what to expect, whether it's turnaround time, whether no matter what it is. And so you had mentioned that being kind of part of what enabled you to scale up your business and really build those relationships. Can you talk to us a little bit more about yeah. that? There was a period of time in our business where we had a lot of clients, a lot of revenue, mm-hmm. that we were dramatically understaffed. Okay. And we hired people mm-hmm. and then they quit. And I was like, why are these people, they're smart people. Like I, I've worked with these people before. Like they're smart. Right, right. They know what they're doing. Why are they quitting? Right. One of my friends came in and was like, Robert, you don't, people don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So it, there was like basically a year and three months where it was like figuring out that I have, what the problem is. Like there's a symptom. Okay. Now I know what the problem is. Now I got to solve the problem. It took a year and three months. Right. Once we were able to do that, we were able to scale our business. And a big part of that is just having people in charge of enforcing the rules. When I say enforcing the rules, I don't mean right. dramatically, but just say, look, this is a process. Now you're supposed to do this. If you don't follow this process, there's going to be third order effects a, a day and a half later that you don't even realize is happening because you didn't do this one thing. So one of the best hires was chief operating officer. And as a business owner, I'm going to work differently. There's a couple things about business owners, right? Like we're a little bit lazy. We work hard. Right. But we're also lazy. Like we want to, we want the fastest, like least work intensive way of accomplishing something. So mm-hmm. that's like we're a little bit lazy. And by the way, if I'm not good at it, I'll just hire someone to do it. So one of the things right. I wasn't good at, I, like I understood the practitioner work of advertising. I mean, I didn't understand the practitioner work of building a team and mm-hmm. getting to inspire and motivate a team and set the process for the team. Mm-hmm. So our chief operating officer is in a lot of ways the heart and the soul of our business because while I do care about the team, I don't express it because I'm always on to the next one. Like, I, did I write right. my SEO page for the day? Right. Did I respond to client emails? I'm not here mm-hmm. thinking, how you feeling? <laughs> and we right. should. We should. It's important. And the best bosses I've had are the bosses who said, how you feeling today? Right. I actually saw a LinkedIn post some years ago and it really resonated with me and had, you know, stuck in my head. And I've used this example multiple times, but basically it has that same concept where, you know, you've got the manager who sees and recognizes that their employee is not doing good. And they're so pointed, you know, zeroed in on the fact that they're not doing good, that they don't even realize like, hey, there might be something going on with this person from a personal perspective, right? Because this person is a human being with yeah. a family, children, stress, whatever. And so it just talks about that relationship between having that real relationship with a manager and what a difference that makes in the workforce and people's ability to perform at their highest. Well, and also the business and the management of the business is responsible for setting up its people to succeed. Correct. And if I don't 100%. the proper framework, if, if I'm micromanaging or I tell you to make decisions and I, then I override you consistently mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, then I'm, while I might say that I want you to succeed, I'm actually effectively setting you up to fail. Absolutely. So operations, having an operations head has been 
a massive opportunity and created massive space for our business because we're we hire smart people. We hire hardworking, loyal, passionate professionals. We hire all those people. Mm-hmm. But if the systems aren't there, they're they're not going to be happy. No, absolutely. So just to kind of have an understanding, you figured out what was working, what wasn't. You got everything to a working a level of success, I should say, right? And then that's when you started really scaling up with all of these different systems and communication and relationships. So talk about you having the ability to scale up once you figured out. My thing is like, let me figure out, let me make this one work. And then I can like rinse and repeat and make everything better. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's building infrastructure, right? If mm-hmm. I, if I have people, there's a couple things. If, if people stay with us longer, there's more internal knowledge of our mm-hmm. system than our way of working. Mm-hmm massive dividend in the long term. Right. And then when I hire new people, it doesn't fall on me or one other person to to train them on how we work because now I have other people who can train them. And the more people who are with us longer, they can break out different tasks. You know, one person is thinking about account management and communications and another person is thinking about how we buy advertising space. And so you now you have the ability to take the strain of onboarding a new person and divide it up amongst five people instead of one or two people. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden things start to get exponentially better because everything becomes dramatically easier. Mm-hmm. Then you have client services, right? Every client interaction is a component of sales and a component of customer service, right? Like absolutely, you have too many, just one too many bad client interactions and the client goes somewhere else, they'll never say, I'm leaving because it takes you forever to respond and I've lost confidence in your ability. They'll just say, oh, thanks, you know, thanks, we're done, Mm -hmm. that's it, right? So more well-trained people, Mm -hmm. more invested people into the systems of the business, will serve our clients more effectively. And then clients start to stay with us longer. Absolutely. And we become a trusted partner, not just to buy advertising space, but tell me about this other thing that's unrelated to advertising. Tell me about the landing pages. I mean, right. we don't like generally offer that. Although we do landing pages for some clients and create it for some clients as well, going back to mm-hmm. the conversation. And you start to become this trusted strategic advisor to the client rather than a vendor who does one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're locked in and you're very sticky on the client relationship. That's when you become mm-hmm. so important to the client that the switching costs are dramatic, right? It's hard. Like, you know, you might have a one-off, took too long to respond to an email, but generally speaking, mm-hmm. client is happy because we're getting the results that they want. Mm-hmm. So the sort of ongoing result of standard operating procedure is a better team, more organized right. team, better account management, better customer service, longer client retention, and the ability to onboard or ingest new client relationships mm-hmm. at scale. Correct. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with, you know, everything that you said, just in terms of being able to build those relationships. Like you said, if you're having good relationships with your workers, your staff, your team, your management, all of that, they then are going to be able to have a positive experience working with you or for you, right? And then be able to provide that good customer service experience because they're happy to come to work every day, right? 
So what specifically does your company do when it pertains to then the advertising and marketing and, and things of that nature? Yeah. So it's really focused on any business that has a need to grow. So whether you're talking about a beauty business. I think that's everybody. <laughs> right. Whether you're talking about a beauty business or a business to business advert, you know, a software company, mm-hmm. whatever, the, a health advertiser, a movie that right. comes out. The goal fundamentally, every everyone starts with the same foundation. I need more mm-hmm. people to take an action. And then it diverges. I need more people to see a movie. I need more butts in seats for my right. cosmetics business. I need more people to share their information with me. So then we create custom strategies. And those strategies are are basically on start with an interview. And the interview goes like this. Tell me what you've done with marketing or your customers. Mm-hmm. What is your transformative value? Why do people buy from you? And we ask you all the questions just so we can get up to speed with your particular business at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. What are the economics of your business? How much is a customer worth? How, how long do they stay with you? What have you done with that marketing and advertising that's worked and what hasn't worked? How have you got your business this far? There may be no marketing and advertising at all. And then we we take all that information and we say, given the budget that you have, we think you should do X, Y, and Z tactics Mm -hmm. because those tactics give you the best chance to succeed to get you from where you are today to where you want to be. And by the way, you need goals. Right. You know... You would be so surprised. Well, actually, I probably wouldn't be surprised um, given your your line of business, but I am surprised by the number of people who do not have a marketing strategy in place. When I talk to my clients, you know, so what are you doing to gain clients? What is your strategy? Yeah, or do you do this? Do you do that? It's like, well, now, you know, I, I kind of hand out business cards sometimes and my long client Sally she refers me to people but there's no like strategy to know what's working what's not working where are my clients coming from where do I need to spend more time on on advertising or marketing where do I need to spend less time it just it's mind-boggling to me you know how these business owners just really don't have any plan in place, no roadmap or goal. They just know they want clients, right? They just, they, as you said, they just want butts and seats. I've been there. Look, the reason why I'm so passionate about this work is because this work creates freedom. It's created freedom for me, both financial freedom and freedom of time. Correct. And most business owners want that. They want to meet their financial goals, whatever they are, mm-hmm. and they want to do the work that they love. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is, as a business owner, I empathize with the fact that you have a million things going on. You're thinking about cash flow. You're thinking about booking appointments. You're thinking about the software you got to have. Like uh, I'm trying to remember the name that my barber uses. That activity, your schedule, or yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Uh, like I can I can set a time with their schedule, like via mm-hmm. via yeah. Geo or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And oh, Vizarro. Bajaro, right. And it's like, yeah, like you've got to do all these things and there's always going to be more you need to do. And you're kind of just getting by. And I get that. The first five years of my business was like that. Right. And so I think the trigger for business owners is that moment where you realize there has to be a, a trigger moment 
where you realize, holy cow, I lost something by not thinking about it. And I can tell you that for me, it wasn't with marketing. It was with an accountant. I was doing all my own invoicing, which is ridiculous. For the amount of money that we're invoicing, I basically forgot to invoice one of our clients for like $20,000. And I sort of got paid on some of it, but not all of it. And I then I invoiced them like three months later and they're upset with me. And Really? Oh, they forgot bad. That's a really right. bad thing to do. Like, I feel really right. bad about myself for, for letting right. that happen. I was like, okay, I need an accountant. Right. And that was a trigger moment for me. And now our accountant does everything. Like, right. all the, she sees all the money. She knows exactly what's going on with our, our payments and everything mm-hmm. like that. And that's what business owners need for a lot of parts of their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I need a strategy, but I don't want to do it. Or I don't have time for it. It's, oh, man. I didn't even know what to call it, but I don't right. know how to get customers. Right. Yeah. And, and so that trigger moment has to happen for the entrepreneur, I think, where they lost something. And then they can say, cool, let me spend money. And it's hard because it's the same feeling of difficulty and risk taking as when I hired my first part timer and when right. I hired my first full timer. Like, I'm taking money out of the money that I would get for my family to right. pay for another individual to right. do the work that I know how to do. Right. Like it's a ton of money. I'm literally literally going through that right now as an entrepreneur. You know, I've been running the business pretty much solo. I mean, I have an assistant, I have a bookkeeper, you know, I have some some people, but like you said, recognizing like, okay, you know what? I am spending time doing these administrative things that I am more than capable of doing, right? However, what I should really be spending my time on are the things that somebody else can't do. And the reason why I am the entrepreneur and the head and the brain of this operation. And so I literally hired two people this week because I'm like, okay, and I have no problem working, right? Like you said, we're hard workers, but I'm like, I cannot be doing this. This is the stuff that I should not be doing. So then what happens is we end up doing the administrative stuff. Because that's the stuff that has to get done on a daily basis, a weekly basis, whatever. That's the stuff that's like in the fire, right? So then all of the really important stuff that we want to do to grow the business and scale ends up getting put on the back burner because everything else is at the forefront. So it feels amazing to be able to be at that point, you know, and like you said, you know, as an entrepreneur, you say, okay, well, if it's too hard for me to do, okay, I could probably figure it out, but it's easier for me to just pay somebody else to do it because this is their area of expertise, right? So what would hiring a, your company look like? Like how would that fall into place? Yeah. So let's say you're starting off at $1,500 a month. We would ask you to fill out a form so we understand your business. Uh, we'll come back to you with a statement of work. And the statement of work is... um a plan and it says, look, we think it makes sense for your business to run, you know, and you know, Facebook ads or Google ads or something right. else. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna run that and we're gonna do everything that's necessary to ensure you get business. Mm-hmm. But you have to commit. And the commitment there is here's why there's commitment that's necessary. You can come and go like we've had clients come and go like, hey, I'm not sure but I want to do this and I'm scared and it's a lot of money. Like, okay, if if $1,500 is a lot of money, you shouldn't be working with us. You're not flipping a switch. 
or you get to the point where you're going to profitably be able to spend $10,000, right. but you have to first be comfortable with the $1,500. Here's what works in advertising in 2024 going into 2024. All right. So on Meta, we train Meta's machine learning algorithm to find customers. And the way we do that, there's kind of like two tactics here. Broad targeting, age, gender, and location. And think about your trade area. So like five right. mile radius around your address. That's how far people will come, will drive to come to you. All right. So your ads are going to be around five mile area. Gender. You only serve men or women. Okay. Which one? And then, or both. And then finally, age, age. Like how old are your customers generally? Mm-hmm. And then we serve ads and we cycle through creative testing so we can understand which products and services people love the most. Because advertising is not just, I'm going to generate leads and sales for you. It needs to be that, but it's actually a lot more than that. It's a real-time focus group. You can understand from your advertising what you should be spending more of your time doing. Because then it comes to the question of profitability. You may think you want to do haircuts, but it's actually coloring that makes you a ton more money. Right. And you're better at it. And that's what people, those ad messages resonate with customers in your area. Right. So then you say, look, you can still run ads for haircuts, Mm -hmm. but like if you want to make more money, raise your rates, run ads for coloring and you get out of the haircut business. Again, just making it up. I'm not, you know. Right. And you can charge more, make more money and live a stress-free, lower stress, have a lower stress business because you figure out your product market fit. For small businesses, it's always about product market fit. We do everything, Mm -hmm. but you don't want to do everything. You really want to do one or two things really well. And advertising will help you understand the one or two things you should be doing really well. Right. And, you know, I think that one of the things that I like about my students, my followers, you know, is that they are providing a service. So like you said, it's a very small radius that they're marketing. So the amount of ad spend that they're having to to, to put out is not as much as somebody like myself, where I'm trying to reach United States, Canada, United Kingdom, you know, things of that nature. So they essentially have a lower ad spend that they they can, you know, put out to reap those benefits, but they've also got a good chunk of people that they can target. Tell my followers and my listeners where they can find you, where they can reach out to you guys if they're interested in getting together, doing business or even just uh, inquiring more about your services? Yeah, so our website is brillmedia.co, B as in boy, R-I-L-L-M-E-D-I-A.co. There's a contact us link at the top there. If you schedule a time, you and I will have a conversation and we'll talk about your business, your strategy, and how we can help. And really the goal here is it has to be additive to your business. We want especially small business to spend at least three months with us. And the reason for that is because you've got to prime the algorithm on Google and Facebook and et cetera to really tune to your customers. And that takes time. It takes creative testing. It creates momentum. And once the momentum gets started, we're going to come back to you and say, you can profitably spend $3,000 a month and $5,000, $10,000 a month. Mm -hmm. And we partner with you to understand the effects that our advertising is having on your business and optimize the campaign so it, it works well for you and, and, and your business grows. Absolutely. I 100% agree. I mean, with me being, having ran my own ads and whatnot, I can say you are absolutely right. 
Well, thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate you taking time again. And I look forward to connecting with you. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks, Shara. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for today's Beauty Business Breakthroughs. I hope you found these insights valuable and actionable for your beauty business. Remember, success in this industry is within your reach. If you're hungry for more and ready to take your beauty business to the next level, consider joining our Get Fully Booked Accelerator program. We are dedicated to helping beauty professionals like you achieve extraordinary success with strategies that can take your business to 10K per month and beyond. Simply send us a direct message on Instagram, Lux Beauty and Body Co. with the word success, and we'll provide you with all of the details on how you can be a part of this game-changing program. Your journey to a thriving beauty business starts now. Thank you again for tuning in, and until next time, stay inspired, stay motivated, and keep making those beauty business breakthroughs.